Hello, and welcome to the Genesis Church Podcast. We're so excited you decided to join us today. All right, now let's check out a recap of this past Sunday's experience. We hope you are blessed. All right, now, I know that's a crazy video, but it depicts some scenes ripped straight from biblical prophecy about the end time. So that's what we're talking about in this this series. And our goal through this whole series is to remind you not to fall asleep. You want to put up them signs with the weird eyeballs? It's beautiful. All right, listen. This life that you and I have been given, we don't know what time span we have, right? The Bible says life is like a vapor, right? So the life we're given extends extended time the more time that we think we might have, it's not always a given. So we've been living in the end times since Jesus resurrected and ascended back to the Father. And so it kind of feels though, as you watch the news, that his return is imminent. Like things are escalating quickly, right? So just look what happened at Israel this week. The world is a scary place and it could be unraveling much quicker than you and I have anticipated. The Bible talks about wars and rumors of wars and earthquakes and natural disasters are going to occur. And we're like, check, 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 right? They're all signs. It's all an indicator that Christ is coming back. And we are living in some end times. Now, what's my point? Don't waste what life you've got left. Christ is returning. And he's charging all of us to bring as many people as we can to him while there's still still time left, right? While we still have breath in our lungs, our job is to wake up and not fall asleep on what we've been called and commissioned and sent to go and to do. Now, listen, if you're a non-church goer, all this sounds really weird to you, right? But really, this, this series is just simply teaching about God's amazing redemptive story. It's a one of redemption, meaning that he sent Jesus as his one and only son as the plan to come and rescue you and me so that we would be brought back in a right relationship with him. And what's awesome is that he still wants to include you in his story, me in his story. God the Father doesn't want time to run out on anyone. In John 18, Jesus said he would not lose one of us as his sheep. But the problem is there we have this option, right? We have this option that we have to choose to follow after the good shepherd, that we have to become one of his sheep, one of his own. Now, why did Jesus come here and give up his life for us? Why would he do that? It's, it's just simple, is that he loves you. He loves you. He created you to love you. And he wants you to be in an ongoing, walking around, everyday kind of relationship with him from the cross to eternity. So that includes all of us. Yeah, even me (laughs) and even you. How do I know that? I love the message version of John 3, 16 through 17. This is how much God loved the world. He gave his son, his one and only son. And this is why so that no one need be destroyed. By believing in him, anyone can have a whole and lasting life. God didn't go through all the trouble of sending his son merely to point an accusing finger, telling the world how bad it is. He came to help, to put the world right again. What a powerful statement. 
And God is saying today, man, I came here to do all of this for you and you're worth it. No matter what you feel about yourself, God sees you and says, you are worth it. He said, listen, I, I believe in you so much that I would send my one and my only son so that, yeah, he would die in your place so that you and I could be in relationship. Why? Because you are worth it to me. Now let's catch some of you up. So if you haven't been in this series, you missed last week, we talked about a lot, okay? So 2 Thessalonians in chapter four, we went and we researched in what was called the return of Christ. And then we saw the resurrection of the dead, right? Those that believed in Jesus, get up, go to heaven. And then those that are walking around still alive when Jesus Christ comes back, guess what? We get raptured, right? There's this reunion of all Christians with God in heaven. Now, the next two weeks after this, we're gonna break down Revelation, okay? So I'm gonna give you this overview of the book and we're gonna do this snapshot of this, 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 and this in the things that I believe that will help you give you some like context, some biblical understanding of what is actually going to happen in these end times. But today I wanna to talk about something personal. I wanna talk about your end times, my end times. Because I seriously believe that whether or not Jesus Christ returns in our lifetime, the end of our lives will come on earth and you and I, we're gonna to have to face one of two judgments. It's our choice, we pick. Jesus came for the first to give his grace to make a way out of the punishment for sin. The second coming of Jesus is gonna look completely different. So what I wanna to talk to you today is about the two judgments that happen after Christ returns. So I'm also then gonna answer the question, well, if one of those things, we get to inherit eternal life and spend life with Christ, what is heaven going to look like? I get that question all the time. Like what heaven, what's it gonna be like? So we're gonna to start today by building a foundation. I want everybody to go ahead and turn to the very last chapter in the Bible. Okay, not hard to find, right? Revelation chapter 22. And we're gonna read verses 12 through 13. You don't have your, your Bibles or your phones with your Bible apps, no big deal, it's on the screen. But let's read this together. I love this. Here are the words of Jesus. He says, behold, pause. The Greek word is eido, and it is literal translation. Be sure to see. Be sure to see this. In other words, hey, don't miss this. Don't miss this. I am coming soon. My reward is with me, Jesus said. I'm going to give everyone according to what he or she has done. He said, I am the alpha and the omega. I am the first and the last. I am the beginning and the end of all things. Jesus said, behold, I'm coming soon. Behold, I'm coming soon, and, and the reward is with me. So I'm gonna give to someone, according to what you've done on this earth, whatever it is, I will give the blessing that goes with that. So if you're new to Christianity, let me be very, very clear about this. None of us are qualified for heaven by how good we are or by what we've done. The truth is that we've all messed up. We've all fallen short of God's glory standard, okay? So... We're all sinners in a way that we've been redeemed by faith and faith alone. Meaning that if you are a Christian, you have chosen to believe in Jesus Christ by faith. And then you get the grace of God put on your life and he sets you free. He forgives you. He washes you clean. He makes you brand new as you put him in charge of your life and you surrender control and said, yes, God, I will 
let you be my Lord and my Savior. And then your whole world flips upside down. But it's only grace through faith that you and I are made right before God. Grace through faith. By just believing, by just surrendering your life to him. That's it. But those of you who are Christians, it's very important to know that although your works, they don't qualify you to get into heaven. Being good has nothing to do with it. But what you do on this earth, God says, listen, that is going to determine how you will be rewarded in heaven. Let me say that again. For those who are Christians, the way you live on earth will determine what you are rewarded with in heaven. So for example, a preacher and a taxi cab driver, they died at the same time and they just, they went to heaven. They met St. Peter and he was at the pearly gates and said, welcome pastor, welcome taxi cab driver. We've been expecting you. And then St. Peter said to the pastor, see over there, that's your three bedroom house, right? You get a little swimming pool, nice picket fence. It's a little back, you get, you get a barbecue. It's beautiful. And then the taxi cab driver, he says, look over there. There's your mansion. You've got like this epic pool. And it's looking over the seventh hole of the heavenly greens golf course prepared just for you, my brother. And the pastor said, yo, 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 yo. Listen, I'm glad to be here. Don't get me wrong, but I have served Jesus my entire life and I've been faithful as a pastor all these years. And then St. Peter said, well, pastor, listen, you are judged based on what the results that you've done here on earth. So as pastor, man, whenever you preached, everybody fell asleep. But when the taxi cab drove, man, that driver, everybody prayed. So welcome to your heavenly rewards. Now, listen, I hate pastor jokes, but I want to cut out pastor Paul. preacher jokes, right? And that is not exactly how it's going to happen, right? But just in case nobody sleep today, right? Because I would like a boat in heaven, please. All right, there you go. Now, listen, the way that we live on earth, it is going to determine how we will be rewarded in heaven. So as your teacher, it is my job that I am supposed to teach you the truth. I want you to know the truth of what the judgment will be like for you and for me. What judgment will be awesome, okay? And the other one's going to suck. Just say that. Your pastor said suck in church. Listen, when I was a kid, they told me that it was going to be like this. When you got in heaven, there was going to be this massive screen, right? And everybody will get to watch your life story when you were judged and see all the good things that you did, but every single bad thing that you ever did in your whole life. And I was like, that's horrible. Just forget it. Like, dude, send me to hell. I don't want to go through that, right? So is that really how that happens for a Christian? Not a bit. See, remember, this is at the end, okay? This is not for your present right now. Meaning here's the good news. If you still have breath in your lungs and you are not a believer, you've got time in this moment to make God the Lord of your life and still do something awesome for the Lord, okay? So when we read about the final judgment, it's not for anybody to freak out, but we're reading right now about what it means for the Christ follower who lived a life on earth, doing the things of God, building God's kingdom, knowing him and making him known. And so if you are in that family, the judgment that you and I face, right, is called the, the judgment seat of Christ, okay? Now, what will that look like and what is gonna take place? Can someone flip some air on it? It's like, I feel like I'm preaching in hell here. All right, now, let's start with when will it take place? So a lot of Bible scholars believe that right after the return of Jesus Christ, of the resurrection and the dead, they go first, right? Then those that are alive get raptured, right? We remember that Jesus is gonna snatch up all the believers that are walking around and we're gonna have a party up in the air. Do you remember that? Yeah, okay. Flashback from last week. The reason that we believe this 
that it is truth is because Jesus is speaking it himself in Luke 14. The teacher said this, hey, if you're throwing a dinner party, don't just invite your family, your friends, and all the rich people that you know, because they can pay you back, right? They can pay you back by inviting you to their parties. But Jesus said, instead, you invite the poor, you invite the lame, you invite the cripple, because they have nothing, they can't pay you back. And he said that I will reward you. Luke 14, 14, Jesus said, although the poor cannot repay you, you will be repaid or rewarded at the resurrection of the righteous. So the judgment seat will take place for the righteous, for those who are believers in Christ, who get raised from the dead, who get raptured. All those people are gonna be judged at the judgment seat of Christ. Now, where do we read about this? 2 Corinthians 5.10, this is what it says. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Meaning we're giving blessings for the result of our actions of what we did on earth, right? So if you were bad at loving others, your heavenly blessing ain't gonna be like someone that like gave everything they ever had away and, and were martyred for the cause of Christ. Do you see what that means then? So now most biblical scholars believe, and I agree with them, that the judgment seat of Christ isn't something scary and it's for Christians only. See, at the judgment seat of Christ, you're not judged for salvation. You're not judged for turning your back on the Lord. You've already been, you've already been saved, right? You've already accepted Christ. Your name is already written in the Lamb's book of life and cannot be smudged out. So this judgment is a rewarding for you, right? Everybody say, yay, rewards. Jesus got Cole's cash. Woo! We love reward. We love our rewards. I love the reward card. I'm like, punch that baby. Every time, free fro-yo. Listen, the judgment seat of Christ is rewarding Christ's followers for all the awesome things and the good works that you've done. The things that you don't even remember that you did, God's marking it down. For whatever you did for the least of these, he says, you've done it unto me. The Greek word translated from judgment seat is bama seat, not bama seat, bama seat, B-E-M-A. Why? Because everybody knows that Jesus is a seminal. Uh, all right, N not an elephant. Sorry, Bama fans. All right, we're ranked higher than you. So, <laughs> the Bama seat, it's not where a judge is going to sit and give you a verdict of innocent or guilty. That's not, that's not what it's at. It's, so he's sitting there and he's on his throne and it's where he would issue awards, like after the Grecian games, right? The Jesus Olympics. So the runners will run a race and the judge will sit and say, congratulations, here's the crown. Here's the wreath for first place. Here's the wreath for second place. So this will be like where the judge issues awards for those who ran this earthly race and won. And God is not the kind of God who hands out dumpy participation trophies, right? These are going to be for the people and where God looks at you and says, well done, my good and my faithful servant. Where he said, you did life right. You ran a good race. You did what you could for the least of these. You loved everybody in my name relentlessly. You sacrificed, so you earned this crown. And he's marking it all down. Every act of faithfulness on this earth, God is checking. So what does our faithfulness on earth look like in heavenly rewards? So I'm not totally sure, but I know, at least my theory is, there's gonna be at least a dozen categories, right? 
or maybe hundreds or thousands, but we know of five for sure. And I wanna go over those with you today because I think this stuff is important so that you understand, listen, this life is not all that there is. There is an eternity and I'm just getting prepped for what is ahead. But in this time, the time that I have left, I'm gonna live everything for the glory of God that I will know Christ to make him known. Like I want that to get deep down inside of your gut to where you're like, man, this is where I am focused on. And so here are five crowns. The first one is this, is the incorruptible crown. It's for those who run that faithful race, who are devoted to Christ and righteous living. Righteous means right acts, choosing the right acts versus the easy path of sin. It's for those who just live that holy life, who followed hardcore after Jesus by living out his words and by emulating and, and reacting to, and responding to, and then recycling his actions. Then there's this crown of rejoicing it's for those people who shared their faith. It's like you who invited a church to a friend today. You may not know it, but right now, you just got some Jesus bling, right? If you're the light in your office, or if you're the one who, who's in your fraternity and speaks out for the cause of Christ when everybody else doesn't give a rip, or you're the one that is spreading love to your family, even though they don't believe in you're the only believer there. Listen, you are the witness to others. There's a crown for you because you share your faith. There's also a crown of righteousness for those who long for Christ's returning. We talked about this week. It's just literally, it's like what we talked about last week when it said Maranatha, like the very beginning believers were so anticipated in Christ's return. They were talking to one another. When they would greet one another, they would say Maranatha. And it's Greek for Christ is coming soon. And if you live with this mentality, if you look forward to the return of Jesus, Maranatha, bro, like that, man, God is excited about that. God wants to reward you for that. There's also this thing called a crown of glory. This one's for faithful pastors. Listen, I am so excited. Jesus be bejeweling me. A Cincinnati Bengals crown in heaven. Who day beat the Seahawks? Listen, and finally, there's this crown of life. Now, this one's super serious. Like it's, if you've ever suffered for the cause of Christ or think about all those people right now who are being martyred for their faith, we have it so easy in the United States. We think we're persecuted when someone says something mean to us online. No. But for those who endure hardships and sacrifice and lay down their life, there's gonna be a crown given to every single person who's ever suffered for the glory of God. Now you think, hey, I'm going to heaven. Jesus is going to give me a crown. I'm going to strut my stuff around. You'd be like, look at the size of my crown. My crown's bigger than your Burger King crown. Listen, none of that stuff's going to happen, right? You're not going to be pulling a wagon behind you. You'd be like, look at all my crowns. You a wimpy Christian. You ain't got no wagon. No, 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 no. There's no pride. There's no arrogance in heaven. And all sinful things like that, it's just gonna be in the past. Like, we won't even think like that. You won't do that at all because here's what you're really gonna wanna do. So in Revelation chapter four, you hear the story of 24 elders where they received their crowns. Do you know what they did with their crowns? They knelt before Jesus. They took their crowns off and they placed them at the feet of Jesus. Because if you can only imagine Jesus putting a crown on you, with nail-scarred hands, the one who was crowned with thorns, putting a crown on your head, what would you want to do with it? 
It has to be the most humbling moment of your existence. And in that instant, I believe anybody would realize I don't deserve anything and you deserve everything. So like the elders, you and I are going to lay our crowns down at his nail-scarred feet and we're going to worship the one who is due all of our worship and all of our honor. Amen and amen. What a moment that will be. I think of that and it kind of like just freaks me out. Like I just feel so undeserving. So, so for you who are Christians, how you live on earth, man, it matters. It determines what your eternity is going to look like. Now, before I go further, let me take a step back because what I want to do is before I get to this end and I kind of show you where the other side of this goes, I, I need to give you a timeline so that you will make logical sense, right, about what I'm talking about because there's so many different events. So if this is a good time to jot some notes down on your phone or snap some pictures of the screen um, when things come up at this end. But let me just give you a quick re recap. So remember last week, last week I said, first Christ returns, right? Then the dead of Christ will rise and then all who walking around that remain will be raptured. Sucked up into the sky, man. Like popping out of the top of planes. Woo, gonna be crazy. But we'll be pulled away from this place forever to be with Jesus. And so also discussed, this is most likely going to happen before the tribulation. The tribulation is where life just unravels for everyone left on earth because it's God's last effort to get people to cry out to him and to call on him and choose him. It's not, not to heart, it's to get them to recognize that they need God. This is it. And believers may be rewarded at that time at the Bama seat because during this time, according to Luke 14, 14, that's what will happen right after that. After the rapture, Bama seat. And then begins this tribulation, the seven-year tribulation. I'm telling you, it's messed up. You do not want to be here. I'll talk about it next week. Like if you see in the eyeball of this Wicked looking like graphic. There's this creepy horse rider, dude. You're gonna get the lowdown. I'm telling you, you don't wanna be here. And the second half of the seven years, those, those last three and a half years are way worse than the first. And this is where the Antichrist is going to rise up. Then there's gonna be this battle of Armageddon, which is evil versus righteousness. And then our God wins, boom, right? And then Satan is thrown into this bottomless pit where he's bound for a thousand years. And then he gets released later for this little short period of time before God does away with him forever. Thank the Lord, right? But during that thousand year time, Christ returns for 1,000 year reign, known as the millennial reign. So first, he came back. His return was to come back for us, his church, right? His people. The second time he comes back, he comes back with us his church, his people, to rule and to reign a thousand years on earth. Then comes the resurrection of the dead. So last week, we talked about these two resurrections. The first, the ones that are Christians, the ones that are believers, right? The second resurrection, these are for non-Christians. These are for unbelievers. And it's known as the resurrection of the dead, those that are dead in their souls, those who will be judged at what is called the great white throne judgment. Not good, right? So then finally, 
God does what God has wanted to do since the fall of Adam and Eve. And then after that's done, he's going to establish a new heaven and a new earth. So there's your timeline of events. I say all of that to remind you, just try to wrap your mind around eternity. It's a long time, right? It's a time that doesn't cease. Like our brains are finite. They don't, we don't think like that. We think beginning and the end. We think a book, right? We think a storyline. We think a TV show. It has a start. It has an end. So trying to imagine what eternity is going to look like, it, it's so hard for me. But if you know Christ, if you give your life to him, there is no end. Now, people ask me all the time, like, what is heaven really going to be like for all of eternity? I get the question, are we going to be bored in heaven? Like, what are we going to do after this big battle, right? And this massive war and all evil is done away with. We're just going to dwell with God in paradise forever. Like, are we just going to sit and watch like fat, chubby baby angels play harps for all of eternity? Right? No. First of all, angels are nothing like that. They're warriors. There's a reason why every single time in the Bible where an angel shows up, they say, do not be afraid. Fear not. Right? They are swole. Right? <laughs> Listen. They're warriors. So what, what heaven actually looks like for the rest of us is this non-ending eternity that's told to us by John, the revelator, the, the one disciple who makes it to the end to write about this. Jesus has this conversation with him in 21, or verse 20, or sorry, verse 1 through 4 in chapter 21. So I'm going to give you three specific descriptions from John what heaven will actually be like. The first one that we see is that Jesus establishes a new heaven and a new earth. Verse 1, Revelation 21, John says this. He says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth have passed away. Like all of all the things that, that were are gone. God makes all things new. What happens? God establishes and creates a brand new earth without the curse of sin. Can you imagine that? And then a new heaven. What most scholars believe, and I tend to agree, is that whatever you enjoy on this earth, you're gonna experience that in that new heaven and that new earth. The only difference is you're not gonna be under the curse of sin. So I'm going to be tall and I'm going to be awesome at basketball. <laughs> Listen, I wanna be as tall as well. That's my goal, Jesus. Just hear me now. So I can slam dunk and I don't even have to like, whoop. Listen, it would be just like at the Garden of Eden, right? When Adam and Eve walked in the cool of the day with the Lord, it was paradise. It was perfect. It was uninterrupted fellowship with God, hanging out with Jesus, the best place that you could ever think of. So stop and think, what is the best thing that you've ever done? Where's, where's the coolest place that you've ever been? Now, heaven will be indescribably better than that. Like I love Old school New York City, not right now, right? And I love Colorado. So my brain is like the most beautiful place I've ever been. It's like Broadway on top of a mountain. Boom. There's my mix, right? But really in heaven, I'm going to be eating donuts all day long, laughing with my family while water skiing on an amazing speedboat with good knees and no screws in my spine. And listen, it's all going to be happening while I watch the Cincinnati Bengals finally win a stinking Super Bowl for the first time ever. My boat's TV is waterproof, so I'll be watching it while I'm skiing on my Jesus Wi-Fi. Listen, you don't know. <laughs> Figure that one out. It could happen. 
It's heaven. You take your best moment and you realize this. 1 Corinthians 2, 9 says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard what our God has prepared for those who love him. You can't even fathom it. The second thing is, listen, you're never going to suffer again. That one's good enough for me, just all by itself. I'll stay short. Listen, the scripture is so beautiful. Revelation 21, 4 through 5. He, meaning God, will wipe every tear away from their eyes. There's going to be no more death, no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain. Physical, emotional, mental, none, gone. And he who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. God will wipe every tear from your eyes. No more death, no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain. For those who are hurting right now, you need to know that if you're not healed on this side of earth, you will be if you put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth, and there's going to be no more pain. There's going to be no more suffering. Your body that's racked with pain right now, never again. If you watch someone that you love suffer physically, you will never have those kind of memories ever again. If you have chronic headaches, never again. No more cancer, no more diabetes, no more autoimmune illnesses, gone. Like we won't even think like that. No more famine, no more starvation, no more wars, no more divorce, no more broken families, no more loneliness, no more agony, no disability holding you and I back. Listen, no suffering of any kind, no more mental illness, no more anxiety. There will be no such thing as depression in heaven. It's done away forever. There is no curse. Everybody say no curse. Dude, how awesome is that? All of it gone. God's going to establish new heaven, new earth, and you will never, ever, 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 ever suffer again. Because he who's sitting on the throne said, behold, I am making all things new. Man. And number three, God bless you. Listen, you will live for God and you will live with God forever. Like if you don't know him well, this one doesn't make your heart skip a beat like it does for those who currently are in love with some Jesus. But this is the best thing that I've said all day. This is a way that this is going to be described in scripture for us. Like this is what it's going to be like, Revelation 21.3. This is the 20th time in Revelation where the Lord sits on his throne and declares something. This is the last one. This means this is the most important one. And I heard a voice from the throne, John said. This is the last time and the most important because it concludes it all. Now God says the dwelling of God is where? With all men, with all women, with all children, with all of humanity. And wherever he live, he will live with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be their God. It's like the final declaration of the throne. It's as if God's saying, listen, finally, everything is restored. And it's back the way that I created it. It's back the way that I wanted it because my children are with me and I am with them. God's saying that's just the way that it's supposed to be. That's the community I've always wanted, nothing hindering it. Now, why does that matter? Because he doesn't just love us. Listen, you're just the supreme object of God's affection. And his plan is not complete until he gets to be with you. So here's the problem. 
Most people think that heaven is the default destination. I'm gonna come to a close quickly and, and, and I just need you to hang on with me for about like five more minutes because this is the most critical part of our conversation today. Most people think that the default destination is heaven and it's not, it's hell. Because in this life, we have to choose Jesus. God's not gonna force you to love him, that's not love. So while we're all alive on this earth, in this body, to inherit eternal life and be with him in heaven, you have to choose him, love him, serve him. Jesus actually said something that would be very sobering to all of us. Matthew 7, 13 through 14, Jesus said, enter through the narrow gate, that's Christ. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction and many, many people, a lot of people enter through that wrong gate. But the small gate, the narrow road that leads to life, only a few will find it. Only a few people will choose it. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the light. Nobody gets to the Father except through me. So the tragedy is that many people think that they're just default going to heaven, right? When really they're traveling that broad road that, that leads to the final destruction of their life, to be separated from God forever in hell. So we talk about this first judgment, the judgment seat of Christ, where Christians are gonna be rewarded for the work, but there's the second judgment, right? And if you're taking notes, this one's known as the great white throne judgment. Great white throne judgment. Christians will not be here. This is how the great white throne judgment is described in scripture. Revelation 20, verse 11. Christ gave John, his disciple, this vision. I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it, earth and sky fled from his presence, and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small. In other words, I saw those in history that were so seemingly significant, and those that nobody even knew, all in the same place in the entire history of the world were standing there before the throne, and the books were opened. The book that was opened, which is the word who brings the book of life. And the dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in this book. Here's the important thing. If anyone's name was not written in the book of life, he or she was thrown into the lake of fire. Wow. That's simply saying if anyone's sins were not covered by the blood of Jesus Christ, if they had not ever taken a moment and called on the free gift, the free grace of God for their life. If anyone was just this great, good deed doer, didn't matter if they had not chosen the perfect work of Jesus Christ on the cross. That person is thrown into the lake of fire. That's the default destination. Now let's pause again, because many of you thinking, if you're not a church person, and if you're like kind of skeptical, you're like, dude, that is so not fair. I don't like this part of the story. Why in the world are you ending with this, Scott? God sending people to hell, that's not fair. And you know, like, if I were you, like, I kind of think that way. Like, I thought that too, and I was like, not until I watched the end play out. Not until I followed that line. I thought everything through logically. And let me really tell you what's not fair. Because those actions on behalf of God are absolutely and completely fair. How many of you have ever known somebody that hurt somebody really bad? Maybe you're the person that were hurt and they were never held accountable for their actions. What would you say for that? It's not fair, right? They should have to pay. 
How many of you have ever known someone who did something horrible, like in a horrible injustice to somebody, and they got away with it, and there were zero consequences? I mean, look around our culture. It's happening all the time. And we say, that's not fair. Somebody should have to pay for that. That's exactly what happens at the great white throne judgment. God takes all the judgment from all of sin, from all of history, and says, in this moment, there's going to be payment for those sins that were not covered by my son. Because you are not robed in his righteousness, because you rejected him, because you are still 100% guilty, because the wages of sin, the cost of sin equals death, you're going to be punished for your sin. And friends, that's not because God did not love you, because God hates sin, and that's what he's judging. And sin must be judged, because the cost of sin equals death. And so not only is it fair, but it's what we call justice. And if you want to play the not fair game, that's where those of you that are in this room are Christians, we understand what's not fair. It's not fair that the one that was crowned with thorns is going to give us a crown. And when you actually deserve the lake of fire like I do, right? And the only reason that Christians are not going there is because Jesus took on the punishment of my sin. He was innocent. I was guilty. That's not fair. It's not fair that I'm being rewarded, that I'm not going to hell. It's not fair that his grace covered my sin. It's not fair that his righteousness is credited to me, that I am his righteous, that I am in his righteousness, that I am clothed in his righteousness, that I am wrapped in his holiness. It makes no sense that his goodness covers all of my badness. It's not fair when he was innocent and he suffered and got the mess beat out of him and nailed to a cross when I was guilty. That's not fair. But that's what's called the gospel. The gospel literally means good news. And it can be your good news. And it can be your way out of the default destination. Because he came to get you out and to give you the most beautiful, heavenly destination with just one moment of surrender if you will take a hold of it. That's why I say to you, I'm not deserving of his awesome love. But he reached out and he rescued me. And I said, okay, I'll take that. I'll take your free gift. I'll take that you exchanged your life for mine. So yeah, when Jesus tried to put his crown on my head, I'm going to fall to the ground and I'm going to give it back to him and I'm going to thank him for saving my tail and I'm going to worship him for all of eternity because my Savior is just that good. And he's just that just. And because he loves us, we are Christians are not treated for the sins that we did. We're not punished for all the mess that we did. We don't, we don't have to pay for all the things that we deserve to pay for. And I thank God in that case, he is not fair. He spared my life and he spared yours so that you could know him and so that you could live your life to the fullest here and in the one to come. And see, that's why, that's why I want to live on this earth worthy of his reward in heaven. I want to live my life loving him and serving him by loving others in his name and doing everything I can for you and for everybody you haven't even met. I will lay down my life. I will scream Jesus to the top of my lungs. I will shout his fame. I will love you relentlessly. Why? Because I know that it's not fair that he gave everything 
to me. And I want you to have that same kind of life. My question is, will you? Because here's your moment to walk through the narrow gate and get you a life that you don't deserve. Are you going to take it? Let's pray. Lord, I just ask right now that you convict every person in the room that's not following after you, Lord. Lord, time is fleeting. It's fading fast. So Lord, let this moment be this crucial moment in their life. Holy Spirit, speak so loudly to them. That uncomfortableness that you're feeling right now in your gut and you know you're not right with the Lord or you know that you've never accepted Christ before in your life, here is your moment don't mess this up. Don't blow this off. Don't ignore what I'm saying to you. Your moment is now. Take a hold of it. Take the free gift of grace and apply it to your life. Change the default destination. Accept Christ. And then you get the greatest life that you could ever imagine. You're not losing anything. You're gaining everything. Everything. So if that's you today, just slip up your hand and look at me. And we're going to take this moment, and it's going to be the most amazing moment. There's one. There's two. Oh, man, there's so many. So, there's people sitting in this room that are just walking a fine line, man. Don't waste your life. Don't waste your life. Maybe that's you online. I'm talking to you. this day who are you going to serve right in that chat box I choose Jesus and as you declare that and as we declare in this room God's going to flip your world upside down and you will have crossed over from death to life because Jesus says for you behold I make all things new Pray this after me. Would you just say it in your own words or repeat this? Just say, Jesus, I need you right now. You're welcome in my life. Come in. Forgive me of all my sins. Everything I've ever done to hurt you and harm you, God, I ask, Lord, that you forgive me. Wash me clean. Make me new. Let me cross over from death to life. I believe you are who you say that you are. That you went to the cross for me. And that you died and you rose again for me. And so from this moment forward, I choose to live for you. I accept you as my personal Lord and Savior. And for the rest of my life, I'm going to make it count. Thank you for joining us here at the Genesis Church Podcast. Remember, you can join us every Sunday at 1031 a.m. on all social media platforms. You can also join us in person every Sunday at 1031 right here at 4070 Mission Road in Tallahassee. God bless you and have a great day.